This is the possible national championship game. Although, again, um, Tate Wanamaker not just being like, no, thanks. I don't know if he... I think he had seen enough of the Georgia film because it was after months of film prep. <laughs> months and months of film prep. It was just like, no. No, no thank no, you. No, thanks. I'm good. I want a, I want a feature <laughs> in this sport. I would like to play and... I, I don't I don't want the like only thing really of mine that gets on tape to be a potential embarrassing loss to Georgia. I'm gonna I'm take, to the B12. I'm gonna play Georgia at all. I'll take my talents elsewhere. Yep, I'm out. Thank you. You leaving the ACC is interesting. I want to talk about one other thing and then do your six. I don't want to do just a straight preview. Um, just maybe a little. What do you know about Jalen Miro calling out Bill O'Brien? Oh, didn't I thought Bill O'Brien said something about him first? Did he? So I, I missed. Thought, I missed whatever may have preceded. I it. thought I definitely saw the the quote so, yesterday. Oh, you know what? Well, here's what I heard or saw. Bill O'Brien was of the mind when he was there and Jalen Moreau was being recruited that Jalen Moreau wasn't good enough to play quarterback and should play another position, which is the coded language that very rarely gets applied to athletic white quarterbacks. Um, So Bill O'Brien expressed he thought Jalen Moreau should consider or maybe – and I don't know who this is, so this is all speculation or, or recklessly, recklessly unchecked. But I believe, yeah, I was like, I think this is coming from Jalen Milrow that Bill O'Brien suggested that he should play another uh, position. Give it a and, list. Wide receiver, tight end. Yeah, which is like, on one hand, it's a compliment. It's like, son, you could play any position on this field that you want because you are that athletic. But on the other hand, to Jalen Milrow's point, he felt he was a high-level quarterback and has proven such. So I I guess he felt just – I don't know what prompted this. Was it a media availability during bowl week, extra press? Like, you know he, what it he is, just, man. He just you had just, this on his mind. You sit home on the holidays. You got some stuff. <laughs> Got He's some time dr- to reflect, you know. Let me get some stuff off my chest. <laughs> just like I'm, I'm getting this off today. I just felt woke up and felt that I had to share share my story. Um, so I'm glad he did. It's great content. I will do more. I I literally I heard about this in between one of the bowl games yesterday. Um, when they were just doing a Jalen Milrow conversation. Um, but yeah, well. Bill O'Brien, not a not a great look there. Things are going well in New England either for Billy O. So he just had, must have some outstanding relationships because the comment section from these articles are all uh, 
Penn State fans, Houston fans being like, why well, keep letting him coach? Not Penn State fans as much. Yeah, Mostly I'm, Texans fans. I was like, the, the, the Penn State fans should love him, considering ne- never have they looked so explosive. But, um, it, I mean, Houston also, yeah, Houston – Houston only has whatever playoff aspirations or games or memories that we have under a Bill O'Brien era. But that was all a long time ago. Look at what we're – the Penn State thing was quite some time ago. Uh, Houston Texans of playoff lore was like the 2012, 13 times. So I'll we're talking about some of ten, that is ten the years Deshaun ago. Watson era too. I don't know how much this is the Bill O'Brien era per se. Oh, was it wasn't wasn't sure. it was Bill it was Bill O'Brien that was there with uh, David Carr. That's not true. David Carr, Matt Schwab. Sorry, David Carr is a long time ago. The the Schwab, the Matt Schwab era with Andre Johnson, yeah. right before Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um and it was really That's true. An, there were... an Arian Foster, Andre Johnson led Texans unit. And JJ right. JJ Watt led Texans <laughs> unit. Less about the explosive offense, but Bill O'Brien always got to attach his name as the coach to that success there. And then rode that to a bunch of other jobs where he never had that level of success again. So, you know, Bill O'Brien, outside of being the Alabama offense coordinator, which everyone has success in the last 10 years as the Alabama offensive coordinator. Um, not a good look. Tough, tough holiday for Billy O. I'm sure if Bill Belichick's gone, he'll be Bill, Bill O'Brien will either be going with him somewhere or will be looking for a job himself. He will fail his way into some coaching job somewhere else. So this is the last we've heard of Billy O. But Jalen Milrow, we'll talk about you. We'll talk about your team. We are here one, uh, not one, Mike. That's a, that is another podcast. Uh, SPN Ross's Untitled College Football Podcast. We are here on a Friday ahead of New Year's. New Year's Six kicks off tonight, I guess, officially. Um, the New Year's Six weekend and the New Year's Six bowl games. We'll talk about those. We could talk about some bowl games. It's been, uh, I've seen, like, what, trying to lock in on all the bowl games this year has been more difficult for me. Uh, folks in town, a lot of plans and places and driving and just, I feel like getting older means the hol- the holidays don't mean the same thing it used to mean, which was just posting up on the couch watching football all day. Still get to do some of that, but it's it's interrupted a lot more than it used to be. So I haven't seen all the games, but I've seen some of them. Right, so we could we could talk about some games. We could preview the big ones. Um, yeah, but I want to start with. At Same least for me, man. Been doing yeah, some like, of my work too. Just you know, like Joe Flacco, doing a little bit of work, <laughs> taking a little nap. Work, nap, work, nap. You know yep. how I go. Shout out Joey Flax. Last night, um, I feel like a lot of people probably missed this one because it's a. It was a Thursday night. This week for me has been one of the weirder kind of. You had Christmas on a Monday. So uh, depending on where you work or whatever, if people have got their holidays observed on that Tuesday or not, I had some vacation time, but I worked earlier this morning. By the way, what'd you say? Well, Chris is on a Monday. People typically work until Friday. It's it's weird. So you don't have as much time to prep for the holidays and all that. So it's 
Don't, was, don't enjoy it. It was weird. It was it was really weird. Um, with the Christmas, well, yeah, Christmas fell on a Monday. Back to work on a Tuesday. But then, I, you know, a lot of people have half of this day off ahead of the new year. And so just a weird work week, man. Like if, that means there, also New Year's is on Monday. Like, new Year's is on a Monday. Like, yeah. yeah. Like we, we like this. It. Not a this, fan. And it's always been a weird this week. Like the week in between Christmas and New Year's is always the least productive work week in a lot of spaces. Right. It just it's vacation. People are off it's just it's a weird time even weirder this year so i've watched as many of the bowl games as i could um but we got nfl games sometimes going on at the same time we got nba christmas which is like the official unofficial start to the season so a lot of people tune in then but it's been nba has been like this is the season to pay attention the whole way so there's a lot of nba going on um if and then, and then if you follow any other sports, like I'm, I'm, I'm a soccer. This was Boxing Day, the day after Christmas for you know European soccer, the Premier League, huge day. That was a marathon day. Um, the hockey, like oh, yes, I like I like all the sports. So there's a lot. This is a packed sports calendar year. There was a big, not to mention a Star Wars, Carmelo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, we got it. We got to get the the Christmas holiday movie marathon going on. There was a boxing match going on. Uh, bar rescue marathons, like just whatever you binge. Yeah, you know, my obviously my 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 mom and sister and wife with their Hallmark for however many straight days. So you got to have a Hallmark TV in the Hallmark room. For those Christmas movies, it was just, it was a lot. Um, but bowl games, oh, yeah, always got to tune into a bowl game when you can. Anybody, we talked about it in our preview, in our draft. I, I have some points I can update on how that went. I last, well, I kind of checked toward the end. There are only a couple more games left. I was losing by quite a lot. So it was unlikely that I caught up. The big, yeah, big, my big. Teams, that's how my teams did well. The big swing was definitely the uh, what was it that that uh, Georgia Southern uh, Ohio uh-huh. game that first one right out the gate when we were dealing with a seventeen point spread and that was going to be a dangerous one to include um, and I was on the wrong side of that one and they covered so that that right out the gate was a really tough you didn't have one a choice. to overcome yeah that was yeah. And yeah with a lot of these it was just like you know only only fifty percent of the time do we have a choice in what we were picking. And so, yeah, there were just some big swings. It's been an unpredictable bowl season. Really hard to track with Portal, who's playing, um, injury. You know, certain people are going to the draft but are playing. Certain people going to the draft but are not. Certain people in the Portal but also playing because there's a later Portal date where you could still play in the bowl game if you wanted for some of these schools. Really hard to – not just for the game that we played, but, like, I – tried to do a couple you know couple picks couple gambling plays on these games before i was like i'm not doing this i'm, I'm gonna wait for the new year's six for when it's a little bit more of a controlled uh you know i know what i'm dealing with a little bit more here with the with, with some of those other games the results were just wildly um unpredictable in a way that i can't remember it being before it, but it made for some fun games i will say that yeah, they need to fix this though for future sizes. I think this is for actually sure. bad for the sport. 
Mm-hmm. Not only have I seen more third string quarterbacks play the past two weeks and a half, I think ever, but also I think because of the opt outs and because the transfer window doesn't really align with the bowl season schedule. Right. You have so many different units not actually having reps together. Because as we've talked about before, when you switch out a couple offensive linemen who've opted out mm-hmm. or defensive linemen or people in DBs, like they're just these units don't have continuity. Yeah. So the, the games themselves are also just really sloppy. So I think the, the big thing will be because I'm, I'm fully pro NIL, all these other things, but um, you, they got to move this transfer window back so we don't have to have people like Malik Murphy, for example, feel like he has to not play a national championship game because he needs to be able to play for his next team, Dude. which is not his fault. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the timeline. Yeah. Um, Malik Murphy going to Duke, by the way. Thank you for kind of mentioning that. How amazing is that? That's a haul. That, <laughs> by I mean, himself, it's a haul. Manny Diaz said, I'm here and I'm bringing somebody who committed to play at Texas. I'm taking my luggage with me. <laughs> I'm taking my luggage with me. It's Louie. Um, but yeah, look, the the transfer window schedule makes zero sense based on the bowl schedule. Um, in other transfer news, we will talk about this in the offseason. We'll have plenty of time to get to uh, a lot of the off-the-field business machinations of the sport, which always fascinate me. But the NCAA lost a, another court ruling. Uh, regarding the multiple transfer rule, so now allowing for multiple time transfers to immediately be eligible um, for we next year's spread on sports. these lawsuits. We start betting on those. <laughs> I'm betting against the NCAA every time. There's one that they might actually want to lose or at least settle because it would be better for them. Uh, we'll talk about that, but that is the new thing. The NCAA, I think, has no less than seven uh, suits or, you know, uh, uh, if if not suits, filings or complaints against it's it's hilarious. The lawyers are really who's winning when it comes to that. But uh, yeah, the the transfer window stuff, right? They're they're getting rid of the multiple time or allowing multiple time transfers. They're basically trying to allow this freedom of movement for the free market, the NIL opportunities, all of those things. And the schedule makes no sense. The early signing period schedule kind of also makes no sense. A lot of yeah. college football's non-football game scheduling deadline stuff is from, from a time that no longer exists and should be looked at. Now, here's the problem with all of this, the big picture. No one is in charge of college football. So who is the person who's going to be like, we need to change these dates. We need to move these dates back. They need to align better with what's going on uh, in the current sport and with the current timeline of these players and these decisions and these coaches and these hirings, the recruiting period. Yeah, I'm about to say the that coaches no too. The, the coaching carousel is also no impacted by this. The coaching carousel happening before bowl games start, before bowl season is I, I just I don't understand why why can't I mean I do understand it's because of when the recruiting schedule when the early signing period but like why does early signing period need to be this freaking early well because in new college football they want to get the kids on campus in January right when the new year starts when they can so you could get them in the weight room you could get them uh in the film room and practice field and start building that continuity from as early as possible 
So like all this stuff has changed. So just the rules and the schedule with how they approach it needs to be looked at in just a more common sense way that makes sense. This is something that would benefit everybody. There's no side that would lose out on this. Like currently this hurts, like you said, players, coaches, schools, everyone kind of loses the way it currently is now. If we could relook at it, it would help all parties involved. And the bowls. Maybe the <laughs> maybe the Mayo Bowl would pick different <laughs> opponents if they knew if they knew who was playing or they knew Listen, the full roster would be there. Um the Bulls, I'm gonna tell you, I I just watched the national championship last night. Kansas State is your national champion. If anybody watched the Pop Tart Bowl, that that's your national champ. The way Kansas State celebrated that victory the way their coach was talking after the game the way their players were talking the mascot it, like we will talk about the mascot the first edible mascot um <laughs> just, like i watched the national championship last night it's kansas state and you there is something to be said for that whole team wanted to play there were no opt-outs the coach isn't going anywhere they were going for their third consecutive nine-win season um the you know freshman quarterback who's kind of the future there looked really good um gets to play and I think that's part of like with the transfer stuff what you do maybe see is like you sometimes see the future of these players who aren't transferring who might be sticking around and playing at your university that can kind of be what bowl season's about but yeah the Kansas State last night the Pop-Tart Bowl is that's your national champ that is the epitome that the Mayo Bowl some of these uh, the toastery bowl where they're throwing toast up in the air after the field. The amount of, but, but the pop tart bowl, I'm telling you, like Kansas State, if, if you had no context and I just turned on the trophy presentation because it was on the ESPN app, like all the trophy presentations are on the app on the ESPN Plus. So you could just watch those as standalones because they go to the next game on ESPN. But for the pop tart bowl, I needed to see this. I needed to see the edible mascot. I needed to see the team just eating pop tarts, the trophy, the whole thing. I needed to see it. And if I just showed you that with no context, just the presentation and the way they were talking and the emotions and the team and the celebration, and said, "That's how we. That's the that there's your national champion right there." And the trophy is a giant pop tart. And or the 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 tr the prize is everyone eats this giant pop tart. The trophy has a pop tart in it. That's how college football. That's how the sport decides its national championship. I don't like. I don't think anyone would think that it wasn't. If you didn't see the game, you didn't know anything. If you just saw the celebration, you'd be like, "What an awesome sport!" That's your national champion, Kansas State. Congratulations on the most successful season in all of the land. The 20, how they signed off was the 2023 Pop Tart Champions of the World. I was just like, okay, all right. Um, but that's that's what all these bowls should aspire to be. So I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm also serious. The Pop Tart Bowl is everything that all these bowl games want to be, but it needs players who want to play, coaches, like it, it needs a lot of stuff that the schedule currently de-incentivizes uh, some players, like you said, from play. So, Yeah, I don't know if this is possible. Because um, to be clear, I think I'm speaking for you as well. We're not suggesting that there's anything wrong either with people opting out. Nope. 
Um, in many instances, opting out is the right business decision for a lot of these uh, young men. And I think if there's a way that players can get a win share or something like that from the bowl appearances or for a, a, a victory, um, that would just, as everything else is free market, help incentivize folks to play without yeah. making it mandatory, without shaming kids who are not, who are operating within their best interests ultimately, as they should. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm 100% opt out if you want for like, it, yes, football, team game, buy in, but it, it's just there is, um, you have to have a level of selfishness to yourself in this day and age It with options, money on the table, and without getting all the way into the, this is why in a, the not so distant future, the NCAA will lose in court a case saying that these are employees and you will now pay them as such um, and not just pay them, but benefits and they might unionize like that whole, though, like without getting all the way into that discussion, that's kind of why that is so important because then you don't have to have these players put in the situation where you might feel guilted as a member, because I'll just say as a member of a team, you even when you're doing it for your best interest and everyone knows it, there's always going to be a level of guilt that you're not going out there with your guys, um, especially the closer you are as a team or to the team. You're going to always feel that level of guilt. Um, you're not going to get guilt trip for it, because in this day and age, I think everyone playing knows what time it is. Um, and so, yeah, if you're going to transfer, if you're going to go pro, if there's money for you elsewhere, like if you are risking those opportunities for this one game that to you, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything because it means something to some people, but in your instance, doesn't mean or isn't worth the risk of what the potential for your future is. I'm 100% here for the opt out, but that, yeah, that's why we need to have these people be paid and, and classified as employees because it just it changes the kind of the the math or the the, the decision making on that right so yeah there'll be more players that are willing to even risk it if we're talking that's about what I'm saying. Yeah. win share yeah if you're already if there's a guaranteed money or you are kind of a yeah you know, a, a, a a paid employee or you injured or not um yeah, the, your the money doesn't change. Then, you, and even if you do ultimately transfer or go elsewhere, you might yeah you might be more willing to risk it um, to go out and play if that's something that you want. Some players is like they don't want to do it for just a bevy of reasons, and I don't. It doesn't to me. It's it's your decision. Now, I'm I'm not absolutely. I, I don't yeah I don't hold it against players, um, but yeah. But this, the kids the, also just not want to play. That's yeah, fine I'm like too. it it's could also season. like you might be injured. You not yeah, want to play. Like, we don't want to talk about that element. And they they were talking yesterday in one of the games. Um, I think it was Len Almore on the call who the the I forget who was doing the play by play asked him like why do we seem to see more fights during bowl season. And he listed like he's like at first he's like I don't really know and then he kind of thought about it he's like you know maybe he started positing ideas and 
but he eventually arrived on what I said right away, which was because like you're over this shit and I, nobody wants to say <laughs> that, but like there it's a, it's a long season. You play in these bowl games toward the, you know, closer to new year's, the lot, the deeper into December you're getting, that is two and a half, sometimes three weeks of practice with no game in a way that only happens during preseason in a way that just starts to feel monotonous and the grind and there's no reward of the Saturday at the end of this thing. It is grueling and a lot. And Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. remember the feeling of just being done with football by the time football is done, unless you're playing for championship, stay locked in, keep your, keep your mind sharp, keep your body. Like, unless you're doing that, yeah, if you're just going from Orlando, Florida over to Birmingham, Alabama to play a football game, maybe you're just like, I don't, I'm over this. And now I'm getting hit and we're losing and whatever. Like, yeah, I'm going out swinging because the season's over. Whatever punishment, I don't, it's not really like pertinent to me right now. So fuck it. Now, homie from Eastern Michigan who came with the assault, blindside, cold cock on homie while he was doing the fight song tradition like singing to the i don't know if you saw that but the uh, the eastern michigan player who should probably be charged for assault only because he took a full wind up on the run swing from at at the back of a dude's head who was not looking at all which can that's the as dangerous as it gets like if i just punch you as hard as i can in the back of your head when you're not expecting it that's brain damage, brain like that could kill, knock out, really do some damage. So I've never seen that. Well, I shouldn't say never. I've seen people get snuck in that fashion. I've never seen one <clears throat> singular football player from one team run into another team, all of them, the whole team after the game, doing the salute the crowd, swing on a dude. And then he he tried to run away, which so I'm like, I don't I don't know if he just decided at some point he was going to get this guy for something that was said or done. But he clearly didn't think about an exit strategy because he was immediately surrounded by the entire football team who proceeded to stomp him out as they should, because what are you doing? Um, So that level of fighting, that's insane. But just fighting in football, which happens all the time because it's bowl week and we're tired. It, we don't have to look too deep into it. Some people are just like, dog, I'm done. Of football. How do your coaches, how yeah. do your teammates probably? I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Just, yeah, I'm just tired. I'm done with this. Like, we will do this again. Feeling, yeah, like, we will do this again in five or six months. But, like, that time off from, from January until you start spring ball again, sometimes you just need that because it's just enough. Enough. So, yeah, we will um, – off season – We'll talk more about kind of, like I said, the machinations, the, the NCAA stuff, but the scheduling, just kind of kind of fix it. It would benefit everyone. There's no one that would really not benefit. Um, all right, before we do New Year's Six preview or just kind of discussion, I have – we'll get to one other thing. Do you want to talk? I'll just tell you the notes I have here. It's either the FSU versus a- ACC, or I have a note here about Nebraska and Matt Rule. Ooh. 
We'll get to one. We'll see. Nah, I got thoughts on both. Call it. We'll All talk right. for a second. Yeah, yeah. I was like, we we're about we to play for the national championship game. Yeah, they uh, without Georgia. now without Tate Wanamaker now. Damn, I was like, damn. I don't know where he's transferring, but he he hit the portal. I'm like, damn, damn. Like you're the you were supposed to be the person who back when they were making the argument, like he's actually who's going to play, not the third string guy. Once he gets healthy, so like take that into account when you were doing the national championship picture. And now he's like, actually, I'm not playing. So now I don't know if that would have changed if they were playing for the national championship. One assumes so. But um, him just dipping, that's not what I wanted to talk about. But that one was just like, okay, I guess I guess they're going to really have to have to climb an uphill battle here. Um, Florida let's State- create some real anarchy. Let's. Let's after the season allow Cam Ward to transfer immediately. He he, that would be great. And then <laughs> after after Washington State like was done minus the bowl game, what it's like? What if Florida State immediately gets Cam Ward? Can they then play for a national championship? Yeah, um, Cam Ward plus a month of practice. <laughs> if Cam Ward gets a month on campus. To work with Mike Norvell and the team, would you then let them in to the college football playoff? And if so, who are we taking out? Um, I am very interested to see where Cam Moore goes. It's it's seemingly between Florida State, Miami, um, and I guess Ohio State too. Uh, Ohio maybe it's still yeah. in the picture, which it's great options to have. Uh, no disrespect, Miami. I don't know why. He would go there unless he just wants to kick it in Miami. Your guy's program is an embarrassment for so many reasons. Um, like you, you let him letting Rutgers. They just signed another top ten recruiting class, though. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> they're been do, solidified. They're, they're doing awesome on recruiting, which I, we said. I always say, anytime I say Mario Cristobal, awesome recruiter, just really good at recruiting, not a good coach. And he's the perfect example of what do you want? Do you want somebody who's really good at recruiting but can't coach worth shit? Like I don't even I, I'm past he's he's like average. I'm to the level of like he's bad. I, I think he is now a bad coach. I think he gets really good players, and so you could win six, seven games in college football, but he's bad. So do you want a coach that is bad? but gets a top five, top 10 recruiting class every year? Or do you want a coach that's good and doesn't? I I, I don't know the answer, <laughs> but we're, but what we're going to find out, we're going to see. Like, we're, we're going to see. Because I, I, there are some coaches out there who aren't going to get top 15 recruiting classes, but they could coach, and they're going to win the same or more amount of games as Mario Cristobal every year. And, and we'll not, beat Miami. And we'll beat Miami. <laughs> and we'll not. Miami. And we'll not be getting paid seventy million or whatever the hell it is dollars to do so. So it's just I. I really question. I. I think he is probably. I think it's the worst hire in the sport. I think just given setup, situation, all that stuff. Um. Yeah. I. I. They're my favorite team to laugh at by far. But not to get. I guess somewhat related to that. Florida State versus the ACC is. A very interesting, very complex in some levels discussion, but also a very simple discussion. Um, 
where yeah it's complex but simple right the simple simple version first the acc signed one of the worst if not the worst contracts in the history of sports business with espn for the <laughs> acc network and the acc's broadcasting rights when they signed an extension from another long-term deal. So they're already locked worst. into a long-term deal. I don't know if you can sign a worse contract than the, the Pac-12 did, which is why the Pac-12 okay. was here. Second worst. One con- yes, one contract was so bad it dissolved their conference. But this one might also dissolve too. So it just might take less time to dissolve, and it might be harder to it might dissolve in a different way so yeah i'll give you second worst worst pack 12 second worst acc's network and acc's extension with espn mm-hmm. through 2036 yep. they signed that after a 10-year deal uh expired they then or his 12-year deal maybe they then extended it till 2036 it is at 20 like 16 2020 level prices for what they're paying while everything is going while everything is going up while everything is skyrocketing while television rights in sports are the last thing that any advertiser paying big money and big sponsors the last thing that they want apple and amazon and netflix like the biggest streamers the biggest companies are fighting over Who's going to control live sports? Because it's the last thing that matters. They locked in at ridiculously low rates for the longest. You never signed a long-term contract for that reason. They signed a long-term contract. Ridiculously low rates will be lagging in hundreds and millions behind Big Ten and SEC. Mm -hmm. Just will not be able to compete in certain realms with those schools during this time. And... Florida State is the biggest. This is more of a football basketball issue. This is a this is mostly a money sports money making, the money making sports issue. So football, uh, football first, and then basketball, women's basketball, and then some other sports. But this is mainly a football issue. Florida State is the crown jewel of the ACC in terms of brand awareness, impressions, dollars. I know Clemson people are like, but we've won a lot more as of recently. Doesn't matter for this discussion. When we are talking money and power, it's not always about winning. Florida State is Florida State, right? It just it's kind of... And Clemson is un, Clemson. Un, it's an undeniable thing, right? Like Clemson is Clemson, Florida State is Florida State. Um, Florida State is the power and the crown jewel of the ACC, Florida State will lead the way in what happens to the ACC um, and how this thing goes. And what Florida State is uh, filing against the ACC is you are basically incompetent in your bargaining and you are costing us insurmountable amounts of money because of how bad you are or were continue to be at the business of college football. Because of this, we are looking at all possible options to leave. And the, the biggest thing is getting there. Yeah. The grant rights or the, 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 which is the, an agreement to allow ACC games to be broadcast with, in this case, 
ESPN. So you, there is a world where Florida State, they could leave the ACC. It would cost them a lot of money. You've got to pay a lot, an exit fee. There's a whole lot of legal jargon and money that would go into that. But there's a world where they could leave the ACC and not take their television rights with them, in which case losing, continuing to lose money, right? If you don't have the rights, that's, that is where the money in all of this is. So the kind of long and short of it all is Florida State is getting out-earned by Purdue and Illinois and Vanderbilt simply because those schools are in conferences with way better television deals and you know, Florida State's 30, 40, 50 million dollars less a year in revenue because of what the ACC signed. I don't see any ground that the ACC has to stand on outside of you sign the contract, idiot, right? Like to Florida State, like you sign and that might be the enough. contract, which is what their legal ground is going to be. Their legal ground is going to be you sign the contract. And because at that time, the belief, and I heard, I've heard John Skipper, who was the ESPN CEO who negotiated this deal, one of the greatest business CEOs in the history of television and entertainment, many will say swindled the ACC into this deal. John Skipper's side of the negotiation is that he, the ACC was desperate for a home. They, they at the mm-hmm. time of the original uh, agreement, they were desperate for a home. They wanted a lock-in guarantee that they would be somewhere for at least 10 years. Um, this was, you know, to, this is back in 2016. So no ACC network at this time. ESPN Plus or ESPN3, whichever one it was then, still a smaller property, not this as well-known as it is now. Um They wanted to lock in somewhere that had the inventory, that could put all their games on TV, that could get them the coverage. The SEC network was booming at the time. The Big Ten network had launched. Like, the ACC wanted these things. But they sacrificed their leverage and distanced, you know, the locking in long term to negotiate, to get out early when the landscape completely shifted. And so now Florida State is 100% right. And all the ACC can really say is, yeah, but you signed the contract. And we think that you're, you know, they, they, the, their other arguments are all disingenuous. Like, we think that you're, you know, it's been a great partnership. And we're, we're sad that they feel this way. And they're trying to leave. And they've benefited from it from, you know, all these years up until now. And it's got that part of the argument is all flimsy and just, like, ignores how rapidly things have changed and where we are right now. The only thing they really can say legally is, you know, you signed it. Um, I don't know what to tell you. You shouldn't have signed it, but you did. So I, I want to know your thoughts on this being the Florida state guy here. Um, and, and knowing that this had, I said it then, I mean, more people kind of have had their eyes open to it. Now this had an impact on what them making or not making the college football playoff. Yeah, I know Jordan Travis injury. Totally got it. But Five, six, seven weeks before Jordan Travis got injured, I said there is a board that the committee has where if there's a tiebreaker in their mind, money, brand, partnerships, TV dollars is the tiebreaker. That is how they will decide this tiebreaker. 
and they went SEC over and you know Texas future SEC over ACC. Um, and so this has an impact on the field to an extent, whether people <laughs> like it or not. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on just this whole suit and and where you stand with everything. Yeah, I think that was a great breakdown, by the way, of all the factors that went into it and just how we got to this point. Um, I don't have a side, per se. I don't think, actually, Florida State has much of a leg to stand on. I think they have – I think this is the move they have to make. They see the lay of the land. They see how much money they're going to be losing out on. They see the changing landscape of the conferences – but they also have overplayed their hand to some degree because the other thing that's out there is right now the SEC and Big Ten don't really want any more teams. Mm-hmm. So they don't have a natural place to go. So they could leave the ACC, but I think they're leaving the ACC with the expectation that they will be able to hit a big money conference. But at least for the foreseeable future, that ship has seen to sail. And then on top of that, the noise they're making about this, I think, is angering a lot of their colleagues. So um, I think Florida State's doing the responsible thing for them and their brand, but it's going to be difficult. Because yeah. the other thing that this is going to do is if Florida State were to win this arbitration and this suit, that would open the door for Clemson and yeah. Miami and these yeah. other teams to also leave, which they yeah. also are not going not gonna to want. So I don't see this happening. Also, I think the ACC is right. Like, to your point, this is why you shouldn't sign long-term contracts at all. Whether you're talking about business, whether you're talking about athletes, it's going to look and feel really good at the beginning. It's going to feel like you are getting at or above your market rate. But as soon as the market changes, you're going to be underpaid, always. Right. So to sign this 20-year deal, knowing all this money coming in, knowing that they're going to expand the playoff. Like, you knew there's going to be more money coming in. This deal quickly become obsolete, but you decide to preference winning in the short term versus the long term. And I agree, you can't get out of it. So the AC is going to be like, yeah, I mean, you signed it. Yeah, I didn't and look around. <laughs> if you want to get out of it now, then, like, why are contracts meaningful at all if you can decide at any point that you don't like the terms and get out of it? So I think it's going to be a tough role for Florida State. And I think if that's going to be the argument, then I think ACC's right. Like, you sign a contract, and that's kind of it. Yeah. I want to touch on the first thing you said, which is their new home or where they have to go. Part of – so the SEC – the SEC would be open to new teams, but they're good in Florida, right? It would be about you need a new mm-hmm. a new state footprint. And so – Florida doesn't want that. As ridiculous – yeah, as ridiculous as this sounds, if you're the mm-hmm. SEC – I would rather have Virginia Tech or Virginia or, you know, I like just because we don't have a footprint in Virginia. So I'll take that. Or, you know, some of these other, uh, you know, Syracuse. It's like, why to Syracuse? Huh? Like, yeah, I'll take the whole Northeast, right? If I'm the, if I'm the Big Ten or if I'm the SEC, that'll be my, my, yep. my, my Northeast footprint. Like if from a business standpoint, it's kind of going to turn into wrestling. Or oh, Georgia Tech. <laughs> Let's get into Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I mean, like, obviously, Georgia would be like, don't do that. But it's uh, it, it's more going to be a regional, kind of like the original wrestling federation, regional breakdown. Like, 
you own an area of the country. So in terms of where they're going to go, um, it has almost been completely taken off the table that they will try to go independent, at least for football, the, 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 the Notre Dame route. Only Notre Dame seems to be able to go independent and just be like, yeah, we got this. We're good. Um, now, there's there, that's a unique situation. Um, so I get it. I don't want to get too much into this other thing so we don't get sidetracked, but it everyone was counting Chip Kelly as this visionary genius for saying the super obvious thing that like a lot of people have been saying for years, which is just make football a separate thing, make it independent, have super conferences, schedule blank, mm -hmm. have this many out of conference, have this many in this conference. Here's how you break it down. Um, and like, just do it that way so that we don't impact volleyball and lacrosse and field hockey and all these other sports that have nothing to do with the reason all these conferences are being merged. So where they would end up going certainly would be interesting. I guess, obviously, like you said, the big 10 doesn't want another school because it's just, you're chopping up the revenue more ways, but they don't have a Florida footprint. Maybe there's that, but that is a big thing, like where they end up going. Um, not having the foresight being one of the few, I guess, you know, a lot of these other conferences had the foresight about where this was going, where the money was going, the streaming, the rights, like what the play really was in a way that the ACC, I think it was Jim Phillips for most of this time. I know he wasn't the commissioner this entire time, but I think for most of it, this is Jim Phillips fault. Um, part of the, you know, there's a big exorbitant exit fee for these schools now. Like you said, if, 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 if Florida State goes, they're going to set the precedent and you might see that lead to the exit of a lot of these other schools, which could lead to the dissolving of the ACC. There's some language, there's a lot of stuff here, but there's some language in the grant of rights with the ACC that they have to have a minimum of, I think it's 15 teams for the grant of rights to be upheld and Florida state and other schools also are arguing. That's why you were so quick to go get SMU and whoever the hell else mm -hmm. is coming over to mm -hmm. the ACC is because you needed to get this thing up to 15 teams to hold the grant of rights for it to be valid. So there's just, there's a lot more better arguments from the Florida state side. Um, and just, again, the common sense side of like, they are getting screwed. They, they should be getting more, is it worth it for them now in the short term to pay an exit fee, to fight a legal battle, to obtain their rights? Like that could cost somewhere between that could cost like four hundred million dollars. It's a crazy um, amount of money that we're talking. Like it could cost as low as a hundred, like in the hundred, it could cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe I shouldn't go as high as four hundred million, but they stand to lose as much as four hundred million dollars if you do the math over the remainder of this deal in terms of what's what they believe is out there for them. Um, the big exit fee for this is because Maryland left in 2012, uh, the ACC to go to the big 10 for $30 million. They ended up in mediation. It was like $31 million. Um, they paid to exit the ACC at that time. The ACC felt scorned about that and clearly were like never again. So they set the price way, way high now. If anybody wants to leave for to this exact reason, yeah, for this exact reason to keep people locked in to this really bad contract. Um, and their only ground is like you signed the contract and Florida state's argument on the other side of that is going to be 
yeah because we were it was we were given an ultimatum which i don't know that this part has to be proven florida state was saying that that espn gave them an ultimatum when it was contract re-upping time um that basically they weren't going to get another deal anywhere else so you have to sign this one or you will end up Pac-12 networked, right? Where you don't have a home, where just nobody could find your games. So they feel they were kind of strong-armed or misled, as Florida State is saying, that they were misled into signing this. Um, but it, it, you know, the the ACC is going to be like, it's, it's, a, it's a bad contract, but you signed it. And Florida State is going to have to prove on the other side of that. So I, I have this in front of me to quickly read the options for which way Florida State could go. So just to quickly read it, one option would be for the school to leave the conference and to just leave its rights behind. Like I said, like there is a world where they do that. That doesn't make sense. So you can almost rule that one out, but that is one way to leave the conference. The other way would be for the school to sue and try to get their rights back, right? So that seems like an option it would be tough because again they would have to prove um you know in court that they were either misled or misrepresented like they would have to prove that what they signed is like you said like why is this contract no longer a contract that should be honored the burden on would be on florida state to prove that and there's not a certainty that they would be able to do so so would they be willing to burn a lot of money in legal fees to take this thing that distance and then be like, sorry, we're ruling in favor of the ACC, right? You just burned a lot of money and you're still stuck in the contract. So that's tough. The less risky option, this is all according to, these are this is referencing a lawyer here. These are lawyer options. This is not just me being like, here's what I think. This is a lawyer. Um, much less risky option. Negotiate a deal with the conference and the remaining members for an exit fee that is less than the full amount that would be forfeited. The exit fee would allow a school to leave with its rights intact. That seems like the most likely option of the four. Who would agree to that, though? It, yeah. Like what conference would agree to that, though? Um, I guess it what would. What conference needs Florida State that Florida State wants to go to? Yeah, I, I, no conference needs them. You could definitely, it's hard to make the case. And that's kind of, I, I, it seems like the most likely option um, because, and also which other a ACC members are going to agree. I, I, I hmm. here's the fourth option. Fourth option is the hope the ACC dissolves and just wait. And if the ACC were to dissolve, then the grant of rights dissolves with it. That also seems unlikely because are you just you're just going to wait it out? Um, so yeah, or is that position you to actively try to sabotage the ACC? <laughs> what does that look like? Like I don't know. I kind of want to see that now. How can we actively destroy this conference? Um, so it's it's if it's a fascinating case. It seems like if I had to pick which of those things is more likely to happen, 
they would negotiate it would be the third option like i it's to try to get a deal with the conference and its remaining members and get them to pay some of that exit fee but yeah who else like who who would want to pay to have florida state as currently constructed yeah i don't know um yeah and that's and that's back to what i was saying before like i I think Florida State is doing this. It, it, Florida State seems a little bit petulant in doing this and less strategic. They're upset because left yes, out of the playoff. They're also correct. upset because of this, <laughs> this revenue stuff. And so they're responding in this way, but like they don't really have any leverage in this situation. No. It'd be one thing if another conference is about to shell out a whole bunch of money or someone's knocking at the door. They have nowhere to go. Are they really going to leave the ACC for the American or for the AAC? <laughs> Some belt? They're not. Um, yeah, the 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 big thing with the Oklahoma and Texas jump to the ACC, why it happened so soon and as seamlessly as it as it could for the two powerhouses of a once big great conference to up and go to the biggest conference. The reason why was because SEC no footprint in Oklahoma. So let's get that. They had Texas A&M for a, you know, footprint there, but Texas is the true power in the SEC. They had their own network. They're one of the biggest brands in the sport. You add that Texas and, and, and Oklahoma, like you said, were in a position of power, had crazy leverage knowing that the biggest, most powerful conference wants to scoop us up. And if we're being honest, like Texas and Oklahoma have better brands than Florida State does. Yes, especially football, football wise, which is this this is mostly about yes, other sports, like, but they're mostly about football. So yeah. Um, and that's a big part of it too, is that Florida State is on trying to return to if you take away the 2014 championship team with Jameis, we're talking about returning to early 2000s, late 90s glory. Because since then, that's the championship level, powerhouse level glory in college football that hasn't been their brand since outside of 2014 and since, you know, early 2000s. And it may be gone forever. And this may be like a topic for another, another show, but I don't think we're ever going to see... 12-year dynasties anymore. Like we saw with Florida State and Miami. Like I, I think that time has is, passed. Is Alabama the in college football? Is, is Alabama going to be the last one of those that lasted, you know, a decade plus? Is as Bama and once Saban goes because like, you know, Georgia we'll see with Georgia, right? They did it two times in a row. We're going for the first three feet. They're certainly not going anywhere. So we'll see 10 years from now what Georgia is. But can we say that Bama and you, we do have to give it up to Clemson for getting theirs off mm -hmm. in the in the midst of that. But can we say that Bama's you know Saban run from about 2010 to now is going to be the last of its kind? Because I kind of tend to agree with you. Like yeah, probably, and and I guess some of it will depend on how we define dominance. Like those Alabama teams. They won. 
I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I don't know if I would put them on the same level as the early 2000s Miami teams. I think it's different, but I would. I I might say that what Alabama has done since 2010 has been the most impressive of any error to ever do it just because of how competitive it was elsewhere. I agree with that. To do it in that. the SEC, I think they had something for like if you just the stats of like their run, but there was something for I think they went it was something ridiculous amount of straight games without losing an SEC game. They went like it was like four seasons or something like that where they did not lose an SEC game. It was just a ridiculous and that's just one yeah. of the Many they just had a bunch of so I I think to me like I I and think Florida State was the same way I think there are Florida State I think there are ACC teams that still haven't beat Florida State yeah that's probably true ever that's probably true um yeah I think I think I think yeah I think like what Bama did what Miami and the Miami to that like it's funny how we think about that team versus. And the national championship picture was different too, because there was one year that they just weren't allowed to play for it, despite clearly being the best team. Then they won it the next year, and then the year after that they won it, but then the rest were like, "No, pass interference. We don't want Miami winning it." Here, Craig Krenzel, you are a national champion. So it's fun. Like they were dominant. They won all the championship. It was more dominant. It was more dominance. It was I was gonna say it was more dominance with the fact that they of that wild run where they just sent everybody to the NFL. Which is what Alabama also has, right? Alabama had the the whatever straight Alabama broke that Miami record of however many straight years of a first round draft pick. So I do think Alabama is gonna be the last of like unless Georgia Georgia is the closest thing set up to do so. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, I just think as the landscape changes, it'll be interesting to see. But I think it's possibly right that Alabama, like we will not see these long runs every year. It'll be Washington will pop up. Missouri will get really good. Florida State is going to have a run. Michigan, like I, I think we are now to the point where all the teams that are, are especially 12-team playoff. Now you're talking about probably – I know nobody wants to admit this. It's probably going to be 10 of the same 12 teams every year. Yep, every for, year. For the championship. And every year you'll rotate maybe two or four. These different teams will rotate in and out. But it's mostly going to be the same 10 you know, teams every year. Um, and they might just trade back and forth with no team just remaining dominant over that time period. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's no, I think what you said was right. Me. I think what was holding me back, the, the reason I hesitated was because – Alabama during that time period, which I think is another testament to their greatness, wasn't always dominant in all three phases. Like those Miami teams, of course, they weren't winning games 7-3. And there was a stretch where Alabama was like really dominant on defense, but they had no problem just winning really low-scoring games. Yeah, And they've they now obviously evolved into now like a really explosive, they adapted the spread offense, mm-hmm. which I think is a testament to Nick Saban's greatness. But that's why I was like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I hear you. They did it without a quarterback for a while. Um, but I guess to an extent, and like, I guess Mac Jones was really the, the is Mac Jones hurts kind of like in on the college level. 
Um, but but before that, it was Greg McElroy and um, AJ McCarron, AJ McCarron. Yeah, it was it was guys just like just Brody take care of, just, just take care of the ball. Uh, we we got amazing running backs, amazing receivers, defense lights out. Um, so to an extent, you know, how much better are some of those guys than Ken Dorsey? Ken Dorsey is pretty good, I, but also I do look back and realize that Ken Dorsey was by far not as good as I thought he was. It certainly helped who he was throwing the ball to and handing the ball off to, had all the time in the world to throw the ball. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I think and Ken Dorsey is an all time great quarterback. He's what the top 25 college quarterback of all time, probably higher than that. In terms of his career, uh, accomplishments yeah. and what, like, yeah, in, in terms of the winning, um, and the it, might yeah, even be top 15, like, in terms of winning, yeah, in terms of pure talent as a football player, uh, is he that much better than AJ McCarron? Probably not. But what he, I will never know. But yeah, like so, so, but yeah, I think part of, like you said, part of the Alabama dominance and the greatness was I don't even need a quarterback. Like you guys are killing yourselves, bending over backwards, getting all these dual threat quarterbacks, all these superheroes, all this stuff. Nick Saban for the first five years of that run was like, don't even need it. I'm I'm good on that. Like just whoever, whoever I got. He'll, Stop he'll, 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 he'll get the job done. Go ahead. Like just just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, please. Stop Mark and, Ingram. Yeah, just like go ahead and go tackle ahead. tackle that and uh, guard Julio Jones over there and Amari Cooper over here and Devontae Smith over there. And then here comes Marcel Darius and here comes uh, all the linebackers that they've had. Like just it, it was they didn't even need it. And then he got to a uh, and you know Jalen Hurts. And Mac Jones and these guys who were dynamic quarterbacks, and then it was like, well, now you're never gonna beat them, right? Until Georgia came along, it was just like, okay, I guess it's just Alabama versus the field every year until we see otherwise. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, nah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm actually very excited about the all season where we can deep dive into a lot of these kind of those topics the conversations but we'll wrap up with uh with the previous a little we can certainly have that ken dorsey conversation yeah to ken dorsey i i want only because like i was watching old miami games at the u30 for 30 was on i've threw some highlights i'll throw some college football highlights on every now and again those highlights really hard to see it's crazy the television that we used to watch and not, yeah and not know that like at that time to me very clear picture i could see it all what do you like it's not blurry it's not whatever but now because of how it's advanced looking back on just what we used to watch just like how how did i see this how did i ever see what was going on on the field but um yeah it's like fire up a, a nintendo 64 today it, it correct it's basically it's like, like looking what? at an old video game like this is what i used to watch but um yeah, look, I just Ken Dorsey and Eric Crouch, same year, same Heisman ceremony. Eric Crouch gets the victory. I just think like Ken Dorsey was the perfect quarterback, and he started as a freshman, so like he was the perfect quarterback for that Miami team, right? Like, yeah, very accurate, good decision maker, cerebral, smart. Um, knew when to like game manage, right? That was, I think, his biggest thing was just like 
you know, I know when to take my shots and when not, uh, because I don't have to do it all. Like, you know, if it's second and 10, I'll just give it to one of our five NFL running backs or Andre Johnson and Santana Moss and <clears throat> Shockey and Kellen Winslow. Like they, it was just I, the embarrassment. It's between that team, some of those USC teams and then Alabama in terms of, and then that one LSU team with Joe Burrow, the one championship in terms of when you just look at the talent on the field at one time, it's like, and Miami was a different level because of the backups. Like their backups were better than some of those and other schools. Were Hall of Famers. That's what I'm saying. So like they're, they were at a different level in terms of just like the 2000, I think it was 2000 Miami team. You had Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, Kellen Winslow, and um sean taylor sitting the bench it was like that's crazy that's those are your bench you guys you guys have to sit and wait for your turn those those names um but yeah we'll we'll definitely have the ken dorsey previous previous football conversation previous college season conversation we're gonna we're definitely gonna have those uh but we'll wrap let's wrap a new year's six starting with i'll go in order um Goodyear combo. We got Florida. Uh, I'm sorry. Ohio State, Missouri. That's tonight, eight o'clock in Jerry World. Um, as we record right now, actually, I don't have it on. I, the remote's too far away, but Clemson and Kentucky are playing. It's a pretty interesting matchup there. Um, yes, because Clemson doesn't didn't scout. They didn't scout, so Ray Davis is just running. No, left they didn't. Right they and... didn't scout Jay Davis. They didn't scout Ray Davis. No, yeah, they didn't okay. know Ray Davis was on. Yeah. They must. Maybe they thought he won't play, or he's transferring, or NFL, or I don't even know if he's NFL eligible. But maybe they're just like he's not. No, gonna he play. Is. He's not going to play. He announced on Twitter Thursday, I think, that he was going to play, and he's playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, there you go. He is playing indeed. <laughs> nice. Um, so that's going now, but we got tonight the first of the six, Ohio State, Missouri. I have it on good message border inside information that Missouri is not taking this game seriously at all. Um, and their players have just been spotted at every hot spot in Dallas, just living it up all week, which that's <laughs> listen, do that. Like I'm not I'm not even the guy that's like you shouldn't do that. Like definitely do that um like have fun be a young man enjoy yourself um but then college playing this game you gotta go yeah yeah do that but then you got a ball on saturday or not or friday in this case you you need a ball all right or you won't and you'll get beat and then you'll have to hear about how everyone knew you were out and we're taking a seat like you know like i'm i I, i'm not a play the results kind of guy like you you or not a, I guess the results matter in this case, right? Like, I, if you want to go out, I'm I'm all for going out. You just got to take care of business, right? That was um, I'll tell a quick story about our it, without saying any names or getting anyone in any kind of trouble from when I was playing. There was a game that we played one time during a really good season that all of a sudden. All of our really good, you know, our quarterback received just everybody like all of our good players. The, the uh, a group of like eight or nine of them for just whatever reason no one could catch the ball everyone just looked tired people were gat like throwing the one dude was throwing up it's just like if you were just watching on the sideline you wouldn't know 
But if you had found out right before the game, oh, so-and-so and that, they they snuck out last night. They were out till how late last night? Word. It's obvious. Um, yep. So just keep an eye out for that, um, Missouri. Like, if, you, if Missouri just looks like it doesn't, like it didn't come ready to play in this game, you heard it. You heard it in the streets, in the in the message board streets first. Uh, so go Ohio State in that game. I'm. Uh, you got Marvin Harrison Jr. playing. I don't know who's playing quarterback for them since uh, McCord or Accord McCord Honda Accord Kyle Honda Accord McCord. He he gone. So I don't know who's quarterbacking. Um, some of these backups, like we saw Miller Moss at uh, USC, he looked really good. Uh, Noah, what was it Noah Fafita at Arizona yesterday? He looks really good. So some of these teams, when the quarterbacks transfer and the next guy up gets an opportunity, you could really feel good about who your next quarterback is. I don't know who next at uh, Ohio State, but we're gonna see tonight. But I'm taking Ohio. What State. do you think about people? What do you think about Missouri needing to take this game seriously for things like recruiting? Is that you think that's a real thing? So Missouri is a unique situation where in the state of Missouri, you can be a high school player and get paid via NIL. Missouri has a state law that allows and then incentivizes high school players to stay in state um, and go to Missouri. So Missouri, part of why Missouri all of a sudden is getting all these really good players and is really good at football and is a top 10 team and continues to dominate in the portal and, and the signing days is because of that. So, no, for them, I don't think like they have it so good with this NIL setup. I think kids are going there not because, oh, I saw you beat Ohio State a day, you know, on New Year's Which, Eve I mean, or whatever. Obviously, it's not going to hurt, but it doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt. But if they were to get blown out, I don't, I don't think it, I, I don't think they're losing recruits at this point. Yeah. I think. I think how they got to where they are is because of their NIL situation and setup, and I think that train's going to keep rolling. Um, now, if they want to like ascend to, is this a team that can in a twelve-team playoff compete for a national championship? Um, like not taking this game seriously or letting Ohio State kind of walk all over you. That. That doesn't bode well. And again, this whole them not taking the game seriously thing, maybe it's wrong information. Maybe they ball out. Maybe they win. Maybe a whole lot of things. But I'm just saying what I heard in the streets or what what the what these internet streets are talking. And I'm just going to keep an eye out for it. I would probably go Ohio State anyway, just because they're, they're probably a slightly better team and Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing. But... Now that I heard that, I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to Ohio State now. And uh, Ohio State needs this more than Missouri does. I'm going to say that. Like, Ryan Day, just end on a good note. Ending he needs the season, a win. Yeah, just the way the, – the last time we saw you in that embarrassing fashion in Michigan, just not good. So, ending your season on a win against a top-10 team in the New Year's Six – can for at least the summer keep the wool somewhat away from the door. You could just hold up your eleven and one record or whatever it is, and uh, you know, of course, the one loss is to the one team you can't lose to again for the third year in a row. But you can at least just do that. Um, so he needs to win this more than Missouri. Missouri already had a great season, no matter what happens. 
Yeah, listeners, bowl games absolutely matter to coaches. These like these New Year Six bowls. Yeah, they got bonuses tied up in it, and also bowl records are always listed amongst your conscious at any given school. Yep. So, coaches try to win these. Yep, Ryan Day has a pretty good bowl record actually, as it turns out. Because when they get when they get to the college football playoff, he's he's had some success. Um, and then when they don't, he gets these types of matchups. And gets to tote, you know, good bowl record. Just can't beat Michigan, which is kind of that only thing he is measured by. So, yeah, I like, yeah, I Eli Drinkowitz is going to want to win. Bonus, like you said, he's going to want to win. But I would just say, who needs it more is Ryan Day and Ohio State. Next game, Chick fil A Peach Bowl. Interesting that um, Comic Accord is transferring. I didn't quite understand that, but we can move Yeah, Comic Accord. And didn't he go to Syracuse? Yeah, he went to Syracuse. Yeah, I, I, I need to give a shout out to Fran Brown real quick. I will talk about him more during the offseason. But Fran Brown is who Syracuse hired. I was I, I questioned, like, what do they think they're going to get and who? how are you going to recruit up there? So Fran Brown is, I did a little research, he's a recruiting whiz. He's um, an outstanding recruiter. He, like, he is just like, I can't he just a recruit like savant like to an extent where <laughs> I don't want to be skeptical but it's like what the hell is he doing to get these kids but he is a recruiting whiz he he very well may be the perfect person to get people who otherwise would not go to Syracuse whether via the portal or via the high school recruits he might build a respectable class at Syracuse and I got to give him credit for that. Like they fire, they gave Dino Babers eight years. They hired another brother. This dude's a recruiting savant. If he gets Syracuse, those seven, eight wins a year, six, seven, eight wins, more power. Um, but keep keep an eye. That you, I, I yeah, that you. I saw his recruiting class and like what he. I just did a little digging about him. He might have Syracuse like the way Louisville all of a sudden got good, um, he might be able to do that to Syracuse. He might be able to have Syracuse nationally ranked within two years. So just keep an eye out for him. But next game, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Ole Miss. Penn State. Oh, my God. Penn State's back in my life. Um, Pickle... Somehow Penn State's favorite. I mean, I get it. I think James Ferguson's a good a good bowl record as well. Yeah, but if I remember correctly. Chop Robinson's not playing. It's their best offensive player. Their offense stinks because they're Penn State. Um isn't Jackson Dart? I mean, he's playing. All their players are playing. He's coming back. Jackson Dart's good to go. Like all I think their leading receiver running rusher and uh, you know, starting quarterback are all good to go for Ole Miss. I don't have it in front of me. So I should should get my the uh, who's in and who's out sheet. But I mean, the only thing that matters in this game is can Penn what? State score. If Penn State can score, they can win this game for sure. But Ole Miss, Ole Miss scores. Yeah, they score with regularity. I, I'm I'm Penn State to... has an amazing defense, but can they score? I'm trying to figure out why so many people are picking Penn State. Like, 
right? Like, I get that they're the favorites. Cool. But the whole, why is Joe Public so heavy on Penn State? That that one, the line, just for some betting talk, Penn State's four and a half. It opened at Penn State three and a half. They're four and a half favorites. Total over under is 50, um, which they're expecting Mississippi, you know, Mississippi to do a lot of scoring because Penn State's not going to help get, get to the 50. Um, they are not. That that this is a this is a weird one. This is tomorrow at noon, high noon, in Atlanta. I mean, I'm going Ole Miss. Like I'm going Ole Miss on the money line, plus one seventy here. Like this is SEC country. It's inside for a fast, high flying offense. Some of the best defenders for Penn State are not playing, which is their only good part of their team. I'm going Ole Miss here. Um, quick Ole Miss note. Or tell me who you got first, because I'm I'm gonna look up just to see who's playing and who's not, and then I want to tell you what I also heard about Ole Miss. Yeah, the I might feel differently if we didn't have as many defections, but yeah, with with Penn State having so many defections on defense, I'm going Ole Miss. Yeah, not a lot of guys out for for Ole Miss. Chop Robinson again, the main Penn State guy being out. That's a problem. And Lane Kiffin just got a raise. Lane Kiffin getting raises. So on that money topic, also a lot of people out for Ohio State. A lot of people out are transferring. A lot of people out. Um Ms. O- I heard this is not this is all alleged, maybe speculation, that Ole Miss NIL funds obviously were plentiful. You see all these players are getting. You see Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin dominates the portal. Really good signing day. Um, but you would look at Ole Miss and be like, where is all this money coming from? Right? Like, what? Who, where? Like, they don't have the Bama, Arkansas, Ohio State. Like, just some of the, the – they are on par – the schools they're on par with with their recruiting and their NIL, they don't have, like, that money. And they so, pay money from poor people in Mississippi. The, uh, well, here's the thing: <laughs> there is the specu- there are speculative reports out there that the Ole Miss NIL funds have been or were tapped out, bringing in all this talent. They are now borrowing money to pay to replenish the NIL portal for future players with. The plan of paying it back being, give us more money, we will get better players and win more, so we will make more money, so we can pay back the money that we borrowed to put more into the NIL. So it is a circular, it is a basically like, on consignment, give us these recruits. And conditional. Give us the recruits. And we will make your money back because we will win Probably. more. <laughs> like maybe. And I'm but my whole thing is just like, um I like a sellout is a sellout. Like once you sell out your stadium, okay, there's that. Like your merch, okay. however high like there's only so much merch you're gonna sell. You're not gonna sell how much more merch does one more five star recruit really like I'm just doing the math kind of amateurly in my head. I'm like, I don't I don't know that that's how that's going to work. Also, again, this is all alleged, but 
the same message board streets that told me don't trust Missouri are saying like NIL, the, the NIL uh, collective over in Ole Miss is just borrowing money that they hope to be able to pay back, but it's getting the recruits in the door right now. They're winning and we'll worry about all that other stuff later. This does not sound much different than the conference we just having about Florida State. No, it doesn't. Um, but that's, that's bad where contract we are. is a bad contract. <laughs> that's that's where we are in college sports. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going to miss that that game. I I don't. I I I don't want to watch Penn State play football anymore, and I really like I do want to watch. Ole Miss so I will have to watch that game but what I really just I want Penn State to be just a little bit worse so that they stop being in the national picture to where I have to pay attention because despite them being an unserious team they have set themselves up in this perfect way so that they're always going to win like eight or nine maybe ten games and so you can't say that they're not a good team even though they're not a good team it's amazing and they send up players to the NFL to where you feel like you have to talk about them. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to talk. I'm going to have to talk about Chop Robinson, who's really good and is going to be one of the better D linemen taken in this year's draft. Sometimes I got good receivers. Joey Porter Jr. was really good corner last year. Like, they are sending people pro. It's just never the quarterback. And, um... Oh, they had a uh, Christian Hatterberg. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And Trace McSwirly, I think. Didn't he pop up in the league at one point? I feel like I saw a Chase McSwirly sighting. Yeah, he played, he played uh, for the Ravens last year. Yeah, there you go. So He's playing in the playoffs, I think. There they go. They send people They send people pro, so I do have to, like, talk about them, but I'm just tired of it. Um, they hired a new – who they, they hired a new offensive coordinator. Um, trying to think of what – They promote somebody can, for DC can, internally? I, um, no, they, I think they took Kansas's offensive coordinator, I believe. Uh, I'm talking about for, um, defensive coordinator. Oh, I don't to know. Replace Manny Diaz. To replace Manny Diaz. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's See, on defense for them, I'm like, I don't usually worry. They usually got the defense figured out. I just, I'm curious who they think is going to come save this offense. Uh, I think they took Kansas's offensive coordinator, I believe. Yep, they did. Um, and they did. I'm we'll, that. we'll see how that goes, but... I don't I don't expect it to go any different than any of the other Penn State teams I've watched because he'll come in with all these big schemes and deep shots and passes and concepts and James Franklin to run in and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Shut all this down. Shut it all down right now. What are you doing with all these routes going so far down the field? Stop it. So I just I don't I don't I don't expect anything to change despite their new hire. Uh, Capital One Orange Bowl. This is the possible national championship game. Although, again, um, Tate Wanamaker not just being like, no thanks. I don't know if he, I think he had seen enough of the Georgia film because it was after months of film <laughs> prep, months and months of film prep. It was just like, no, 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 thank no, you. no thanks. I'm good. I want a few, I want a future <laughs> in this sport. I would like to play and I I don't I don't want the like only thing really of mine that gets on tape to be a potential embarrassing loss to Georgia. 
I'm going to I'm take, to the B12. I'm going to play Joy else, Day at all. take my talents elsewhere. Yep, I'm out. Thank you. Um, so it's back. Who's the third string guy now who I've already since forgotten because I was ready for Wanamaker? No, it doesn't matter. He's the guy who started against Louisville. <laughs> yeah, Louisville guy. <laughs> that guy who – I've already blocked it out. Yeah, that guy will have to um, get it done. Georgia, apparently, all their players, uh, if they have not transferred, like they got guys who are going to go to the league next year who are like, nah, we're playing. We're mad. We're just, we want one, one last game to take out our rage against the committee for moving us from five, I'm sorry, from one to six because we <laughs> lost by, by three points to Alabama. We are taking our during rage During the conference out. championship game. Yeah, during the conference championship game, we lost oh, by a field goal to Alabama, and we were one, and now we're six, and we are taking our anger out on Florida State. I, um, I'm, I'm going Georgia here. I want to look at the spread real quick. It's 20 points. I'll take the spread. I think Georgia That's covers. absurd. 20 <laughs> I points. I think it was. That's disrespectful. It was. That's disrespectful. Four, well, it was. It opened at, uh, where is it, 14, 13 and a half, because it, before the Wanamaker. Once Wanamaker was like, I'm not playing, the spread was like, okay, well, it's 20 points now. Um, 20 points. So it was 13 and a half. It's now 20. I'm going to take the 20. Uh, who's 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 the, where's the, where's the guy? Where's the quarterback? Let me find the Florida State quarterback's name just so I can give him the decency of saying his name. He's a four star. He's just a just a freshman. Brock Glenn. There he is. Brock Glenn. Brock Glenn. They uh they don't believe in you. They think you're gonna lose by twenty points. They My all only... saw the Louisville game. Yeah, they saw you. My only like Florida State's defense can make it difficult for Georgia. Like they mm-hmm. they definitely can keep it a lower scoring game. So the obvious question is with no Keon Coleman, with no who uh, aren't all the receivers like nah, like Winston yep. Wright, Winston Wright not playing like with no wide receivers, like with with everyone out and now third string guy, the question is like can you score even if the defense holds Georgia to say 17 or 21 you know somewhere in the 17 to 21 point range can florida state score two touchdowns like that i feel like that's a oh, offense <laughs> <laughs> yeah can they score two offensive can florida state's offense produce two touchdowns because i don't wow. feel confident that they can and that is probably why the spread is what it is. Now, yeah, if, I mean, if we can if we can set the set the line of scrimmage and run the ball, which is going to be hard against Georgia, mm-hmm. we can score. But we've did it. We've we've done it. Yeah, Louisville know we weren't going to throw the ball, and they couldn't stop it. And they have a they have a good run defense. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the. I mean, that's definitely the uh, approach. That's or what the approach needs to be. I, again, I'll probably. I'm going to take those points. If I'm betting that if that's a big if. Play with some pride, FSU. Come on, like, I'm disrespecting you. If they didn't they, put you in the championship. Not even in the playoff. Now you twenty point dogs. Yeah. To the number sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> 
If they win this Disrespect. with a third string quarterback, all their receivers sitting out and still National beat champions. Georgia, definitely. National National champions. Champions. Definitely. Like, I feel like we will all recognize them as such. It won't even be like a a petition to make it happen or whatever. It'll be uh no. That will like, be a shirt made. They really are. <laughs> like they really are. The way that UCF wanted their national championship the year they want undefeated and beat Auburn in uh whatever bowl that was at the end of the year, a New Year's Six bowl. I think it was maybe Sugar. I forget. But they won a New Year's Six against the Power Five. Finish the season undefeated, and UCF printed out national champs T-shirts, hats, had a parade, yep. have a have a trophy. So yeah, Florida State, you can absolutely. Do oh, Florida that. State would do much more than that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, they. I'm like, if if that's what UCF did, Florida State, you could definitely like get an actual petition or something going to where whoever wins the 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 actual national championship has to then. Come play Florida State for the unified the world the, the world, world the unified world championship. Like not you're the W WBC holder and like we need to unify we need to unify this. So um, if they get that done, I immediately want them to start preparing for the winner of the national championship for the college football world champ. Not national champ, world champ. All right, one more bowl, and then we got the playoff games. The Verbo Fiesta Bowl, where everyone will have to watch Liberty for the first time, play Oregon on 1 o'clock on New Year's Day. So by then, everyone's hangover. You should be good. Um, And now you get to watch a school who I don't think, I'm pretty sure you probably can't drink on their campus despite the immoralities, or not even immoralities. Unless you're Jerry Falwell Jr. The, despite the hypocritical, yeah, despite the hypocriticalness of, that was, I watched the uh, the documentary, The God, uh, was it God Forgive or uh, God Bless? God on, something, um, something you. It's on Hulu. Uh, Hulu? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, it's, it's, it's a great documentary, but it's a wild what happened. Yeah, great documentary. Um, yeah, but that like it's um it's the same dude. It's uh, what's his name? Um, who did the thirty for thirty, um, and Cocaine Cowboys? Billy Corbin. Um, Billy Corbin, the Cocaine Cowboys documentary, another great documentary. The two thirty for thirties from Miami. Um, he did this one on Jerry Falwell. I I forget what it's called. God, you or something, something you. So, or something about God, God, God's in the title. Go look it up. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> wildest part about the whole thing, because I'm like, okay, every you know, everyone has their, you know, whatever kinks, proclivities, whatever in the bedroom. Fine. Like, it's just, it's a bad look that you run the school that you run and judge people and have all the things that you lay out for how that's supposed to look and you but behind closed doors you live your life this way but that's fine that's not the the wildest thing or unheard of not totally I'm not condoning it but I'm like I'm not shocked by that the wildest part was yeah he just walks around a water bottle full of tequila all the time. Just all the time. That's what he's doing. He's just his water bottle is filled with tequila. He's just drunk all the time. I was like, all right, that's that is the wilder part. Like just being drunk at a higher learning institution around kids all the time. 
that's no matter what the institution is that was worse and you'll be a skin at any school yeah you know. like it's worse at liberty any school you just can't have that that one was to me that was the wilder part like what you know what you and your wife do with pool boys or whatever like you just probably shouldn't like judge other people as hard as you do while doing that for other stuff that other people do but you know judging not a crime just being drunk all the time around <laughs> around students in college I don't think you could do that. And clearly you can't. They kicked him out of his own school. A school that his pops literally made and he's in charge of. It got so bad that they're like, bro, you got to go. You can't work here no more. And they ended it by that documentary. No spoilers. But the wildest part was his, or spoiler alert, his parents are buried on campus and he is banned from campus. He effectively was banned from his parents' gravesite because of how everything transpired um so that is liberty if anybody didn't know that's liberty the football players are probably like i have nothing to do with any of that i just come here to play football um they paid me money or they gave me scholarship they have really dope facilities and i'm just here to play football and that said they're going to lose probably handedly to a really good oregon team to Oregon team that if it yeah, wasn't... Yeah, this is the one that should be a, a 20-point... Yeah, it probably is. I'm about to check now. But if it wasn't for Oregon, it's actually only 14 and a half, which is what Florida State originally opened at before they were going to third-string quarterback. Um, but yeah, so 14 Oregon's going to be Liberty worse than Georgia's going to be Florida State. In my, yeah, that's, that, that's what I think. That probably will happen. Um yeah, it's just it's two different. Like, I Liberty had a great season to go undefeated, no matter who you play, no matter what conference is commendable. Um, but this is a different level of competition. This is an Oregon team that, if Washington didn't exist, they lost to the you know arguably one of the top two teams in the nation twice by a combined six points. Uh, they are. One of the this might be the best team that best, Liberty has ever played. Yeah, ever. They're, they're one of the best teams in, in the, the country. The program. And just the size difference, the speed difference, the aggressive, dip, just like everything that's about to happen. Like I, I would love for it to be a game. I would love for Liberty's offense to look anything close to what it looks like in their other games, but it's just unlikely that that's going to happen. Um, like you said, coaches want bowl victories. Dan Lanning has probably already bought something with the money that he stands to win for this game. Like this one's probably already a, a victory in his uh you know financial checkbook. He's already bought something. Um the players, I nobody's really sitting out. They want to show out. Um, this could be a you know, one of those frustration games of just you know, wanna remind everyone how dominant of a team we are and still one of the better programs in the nation um, and that this other team should not even be on the field with us. I think that's partly what the message is going to be. Like, don't even at no point make this a game. Like, have this be a blowout from kickoff to final whistle. But shout out to Liberty in there, not the university necessarily. Shout out to the football team and the amazing season they had. Is the uh, success regardless of what's going to happen? Yeah, uh, uh, Jamie Chadwell, their coach, great season, definitely a name people are looking at when it comes to some of these other uh, openings. But 
it's not gonna go well for you guys. So, all right, the big games, the two big games. Um, I'll just go in order by how they kick off. The first game is Bama, Michigan, Rose Bowl, the most beautiful backdrop in all of sports when they show that Rose Bowl shot on New Year's Day. As a New Yorker, it is 50% of the time it's cold and snowy and whatever here. And then they show that, you know, Rose Rose Bowl shot after you're in a city looking, you know, you see snowy ass ball drops and whatever else our background is. And then I see that it's always the most beautiful sight uh, on television on, Jan on, on New Year's Day. So that is at five o'clock. I've gone back and forth about both of these games. Um, not in terms of results. The, the Texas-Washington game, yes, I've gone back and forth about those results. I have not wavered on who I think is going to win Michigan-Alabama. I've more so wavered on how I think the game's going to go because I think predicting this game is a little too easy in terms of I think Alabama's going to win. I think that's a, too easy of a prediction for me. I think the game will start off slow. I believe the first quarter... I believe the first half under will hit. Whatever the under is, I believe it'll hit. I believe both schools start slow, particularly on offense. I think Michigan scores a field goal first, gets maybe a stop or two on Alabama. Alabama eventually gets a touchdown. I think Michigan eventually gets a touchdown. I can see a 10-7 type of half. Michigan maybe up by a field goal. I think Alabama comes out in the second half and scores like 21 unanswered points and runs away with it in the second half. I think it's going to be that type of game, a feel out, a slow kind of equal battle first half, second half adjustments get made and Alabama comes out and exposes Michigan. That's that is what I think happens. Michigan's strength, D-line, secondary, uh Alabama's strength on offense is their O-line, so that's a strength on strength there. Curious if they have enough receiving threats to really, like, stress Michigan. Michigan might have more guys that could cover than Bama has dudes that scare you. So that part could be interesting. But um, where are you at with it? And offensively, we know. I, I mean, I think we're on the same page. Alabama's offense scares me more. Jalen Monroe, more versatile. I don't. J.J. McCarthy is being talked about as a first-round NFL pick now. I can't. I can't even. I, I can't have these conversations about him. So, where are you at with it? Yeah, we we can say that. Goodness, I, I read something the other day was was suggesting that the Bears should trade Justin Fields. They can draft JJ McCarthy. Yeah, you know he's being talked about. It's like it's it's Caleb. It's May. And McCarthy. I'm like, wait, when, 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 <laughs> when? I've already prepared myself for the narrative to shift that Drake May is better than Caleb Williams. I already knew that was going to happen. That's as old as time. But how are they? They're trying to sneak JJ McCarthy in into that one, and I'm just like, I, uh, so on this game alone, they tried. Now, they tried with the Heisman, and that didn't work. So we have to <laughs> do the next thing. Yeah. This game alone, though, I, I don't – like, I just don't look at him as a difference-making player. Like, he if he plays well, I don't look at it like 
he obviously has to play well for Michigan to have a chance. It's obvious he's the quarterback. But I look at it like J.J. McCarthy could have a really good game, and I don't – that doesn't mean that Michigan wins. Like, I just in, – in the same way that, like, if Jalen Monroe plays well, Alabama's going to win because he impacts the game in a way, like his ability to bomb deep, his ability to reset the pocket, his ability as a runner – changes the game in a way that like jj mccarthy at your best throw the ball on time to this receiver like scramble for an eight yard game to get this first down to keep the chains open i just feel like he could do that play fine and michigan will have 21 points i don't know that that's enough right like because i could look at alabama and be like okay We've seen Alabama go 14, 21 straight points on teams. Yeah, they get they get hot. I've never <clears> seen Michigan do that. I've seen them beat teams by a lot, but it's never they get the ball two, three. Like, they, they score. Defense gets a three and out or a turnover. They score again. They get another stop. They score again. Like, generally, Michigan is wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. One run play, bust for a big one. They get you on a play action. Defense forces turnover, field position. Like I, it, it just there's a lot of similarities, but I just think the upside, the ceiling on Alabama a little bit higher, and I'm just going saving Bama that known kind of what I've seen them do, like we just said for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Versus, I'm spent the whole season saying I don't think Michigan's very good. I'm not gonna change that now. Can we also say that Alabama is the best team that Michigan will have played? Yeah. But Michigan is not the best team that Alabama would have played. No, yeah, exactly. Alabama's played Georgia, who I would argue is better than Michigan. I would argue from a defensive, you have an assignment and a hell of a task ahead of you that Ole Miss is a tougher assignment for Alabama than Michigan will be. Michigan is going to, unless all of a sudden they have changed their identity, and just come out here with a completely different offense. Michigan wants to establish the run, set the line of scrimmage, wear you down, and play big boy football. Alabama's like, cool. Bring, yeah, bring that on. Let's do that. Alabama's probably like, cool, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, let's do that. You want big boy football it? Cool, man. Let's 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 go right ahead. Um, and this is even one of the better Bama defenses that they've had. But the, the, what you're not going to do is just line up and just out tough, outrun, dive and and counter them into oblivion. I don't think that's going to happen. So you're going to need McCarthy making dynamic throws outside the pocket, throwing off schedule. You're going to need those things because the way Michigan – like their game plan against the Penn States and the Ohio States, like their biggest games, that game plan will not work against Alabama. So, unless they Alabama to me will only lose if they turn the ball over. Yeah, and Jalen Monroe hasn't. Obviously, there's other players that touch the ball, but Monroe has 17 touchdowns against one turnover since November. So, he not based off that he's not going to be the one turning it over. I. If you remember back to the Ohio State-Michigan game, if Ohio State and McCord doesn't throw those two picks, that, like, they were going to lose. Like, Ohio State, and I, I'm not particularly impressed with Ohio State, 
But Ohio State played a not great game and still had an opportunity to beat Michigan. So I, I'm just I, – I've been sold on Bama all year and not sold on Michigan all year, and now they're meeting. So it, it's pretty straightforward for me on that front. Excited to see it, though. And I, I, let me see the spread here. Because I think it's Michigan. Yeah, it might Michigan. it might be. I think it opened at Michigan. It opened with Michigan at one, right? I don't know if it still is. I say two. Yeah, I say two Michigan four yeah. for uh, Texas. Yeah, I guess the line hasn't moved. So yeah, they got Michigan at favorites, which I I don't. I I guess look. Lines don't tell everything. Lines are set to get 50-50 action from the public, so I get it. Um, but I, I see, I, I, I see a double-digit Alabama victory. Um, double-digit, okay. I see a double-digit. I see, I see a ten-seven, real close, low-scoring first half. I see an explosive third quarter from Alabama. And I see a Michigan offense fail to keep up down the stretch, and I think Alabama gets the ten or fourteen pointer. Like I've, I've, I, I, I've, I've tried, I've tried to just like take my bias out because I really don't. When I try to, and when I do my analysis, I really do try to take any bias, and I really rarely have bias outside of just like good football. I I've tried to play it out with like how how am I wrong about this right like how how does Michigan come out and like like you said other than the turnover game like how and I just I don't I don't see Michigan having the offensive weapons to to I think Alabama can win a multiple style game I think they can win a low scoring game. I think they can win a shootout. I think they can. Yeah, that's it. I think that's they can, like could survive a turnover or two because they can play from behind. Like I and I think Michigan is more designed to win a certain style of game, and if it goes a different way, I just don't know. So, granted, last year different team that LS the 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 TCU game TCU was getting explosive on offense Michigan had to do that to answer McCarthy plays out of his mind so maybe it takes an effort like that but i just think last year's maybe i'm the only one that thinks this i think last year's Michigan team is better than this year's Michigan team but the polls and numbers and computers seem to disagree and say that this year's Michigan team is not just better but is the best team in all the land and i just i've I'm not down with that. Yep, they're number one, right? Yeah. All right, let's wrap with my – this is the game I'm the most excited for, for sure. Um, this matchup, to me, provides – Especially something going to go to this game or not. I definitely – if you can, you should. Superdome, Caesars, uh, Sugar Bowl, Caesars, Superdome, it's, uh, the All-State Sugar Bowl, Texas, Washington – um, this one is like you said, four points, Texas, four point favorite. I am way more excited about this game stylistically. Um, I am way more 
this was a tougher one in terms of like the result. I've gone back and forth about this. Strength of Texas, best D line maybe in the country, especially those D tackles. So running on them, you could pretty much take that off the table. And running is it's kind of important to what Washington does. Obviously, they passing attack as well. But that's a thing. Uh, offensive line for Washington is a strength, so that's kind of a strength on strength. Texas's D-backs, I'm a little concerned about them. Um, their secondary can and has been had. Saw it against Oklahoma, a little bit. Saw it against Kansas. Um, I forget there was another. They played one other Big 12 team. Oklahoma State, I think. Yeah, that's obviously there are a few teams that I mean they 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 there are a few teams that gave them trouble. Yeah, it was specifically in that in the passing attack, and I remember watching definitely the Oklahoma. Um, and now I'm blanking on the other game where I watched. Where I was like, man, they're they're oh the um, TCU TCU yeah, where like they're just getting burnt. They're getting burnt like toast, and they're about to face the best receivers they've seen all year. They're about to face three NFL <laughs> receivers. Um, and I think Washington's strength there plays into, you know, plays well for them. I like Michael Panix over Quinn Ewers. Uh, we have had some concern about the Washington defense being at championship level at times this season. Texas's receivers are really good. Xavier Worthy, most of which. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. their receivers are very good. The Washington defense we've also seen at times has been vulnerable. Um, so I I think there's a lot of similarities to these teams. I we've we could say that they these are the two teams in my book because you have Washington doing it twice, beating Oregon. And Texas going to Alabama, beating Alabama. I guess you could say Alabama's win over Georgia, but I might make the case that you have the two, the the more the most impressive wins on the board, combined wins. Washington's two wins over Oregon, Texas's win on the road at Alabama. Yeah, that's 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 my vote. Battle tested teams, um, Sark master. Schemer, play caller, game caller, uh, Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb are also on that level. Um, I am leaning Washington here because I think this, I think they are the, we, we have been bred for this all season in terms of just find ways to win. They remind me a lot of TC, mm-hmm. TCU last year that would keep getting down or would have these comebacks or really close games and all year throughout last year, like, are they going to lose? Is this, are they going to lose? And they would keep winning, whether by three, field goal, oh. like last second, all these dramatic wins, but they would win. They would find a way to win. And rather than- We have flaws. Everyone sees our flaws, but we win. And like, and everyone is flawed, right? So it's like, like, this is the year of the flawed team. It's just a matter of like, what's your ceiling? And what I really like about Washington and the more I read a piece about uh, Kalen DeBoer, Ryan Grubb and their relationship and um, then the relationship with Penix and just 
like their approach, their approach to the, to the Oregon game, to both times, to the decisions they make, to how they approach game plans, to just like the fearlessness of like we're not afraid of going forward on in and, and and like we'll take the deep shot and like we we will trust Michael Penix and Roman Dunes mm-hmm. are our best players in the toughest situations. Like just their mm-hmm. approach, their mentality. I feel like they have been prepared for the adversity of a playoff game of, 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 of the pressure of the moment of being down and maybe having to come back, whatever the case. I'm, I am more, I think Washington is going to win the national championship because of that. Like, I think they get past Texas. And then I, I mean, Alabama is, is a tougher kind of different matchup for them. If we're talking Washington, Alabama, but I might put, money before this weekend might just pick Washington to win the championship because I just think there's something to be said for them just knowing how to win being tested um being unfazed like Michael Penix being that leader who's just completely unfazed that at all rapid you know freestyling when they're down completely unbothered when it looks like the season's on the line or they're about to lose, just like his demeanor, how he leads gets that from like the coach seems to be in kind of that same vein and that same coaching style. I just really like Washington. Um, the talent's pretty, pretty close to equal. I get why Texas is a slight favorite, um, but I'm going, I'm going just kind of with a philosophy and a belief and a, and a team that I just believe in more than just on the field, but that kind of that other battle, the mental battle, the side of things Mm -hmm. when you're on the sideline, when things are going well, those like, I think Washington has, you know, Michigan hasn't had to face that this year. Um, Alabama, it's been, they lost to Texas. They've had maybe some tougher games, but it's been a while since, you know, Alabama adversity, um things not going well washington several times throughout this season have had games where it looks like they're about to lose they're that arizona state game the, the arizona game the the usc game michael Penix had to do mm-hmm. it again and again and again they had to play oregon again like just they, they have i think gone through it the most the and are the most prepared for i guess them and bama but I'm going to go with this game, Washington, and I might take Washington for the whole thing. We'll maybe talk before we get a national championship, depending on who wins. But give me yeah. Washington right now. Yeah. That was a lot of talking. About no, 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 that, that tracks. I don't have a lot a lot more to add. Just that whatever the, – the same thing you said about Alabama to me applies to Washington in an even greater way. So the thing that I love – love about Washington is however we need to win, we can win. Yeah. You want to do a shootout? Let's do a shootout. You want to wait till the second half to turn it up? We can do that. You want to not score at all and yeah. play a 10-3 game? We can do that too. They can win in whatever different way. And they've proven it time and again. They went pretty. They went ugly. They went sexy. Like they 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 do it all. And yeah. so Whatever, whatever energy, whatever momentum that Texas is going to come with, I think Washington can match that, adjust, and overcome. And so I, I have a hard time seeing anybody beating Washington for that reason. 
Yeah. Agreed. We're, we're locked in um, with both games here. And again, I will wait and see. National Championship is on the 8th, so we'll have a week in between. And we can uh, do a full preview, talk about that. But if it holds, if our picks hold, if Washington and Alabama do meet, that is the game I want the most. Um, I'm sure. Now, obviously, an Alabama-Texas rematch, you can sell the hell out of that. Um, Texas being back in the national championship, being back in the picture. Uh, Alabama looking to avenge their one loss. Steve Sarkeesian facing his former you know, boss. There's all those storylines. But to me, I would like to see Alabama and Washington just because I think if you want to talk about who's played the best football sans that weird UCF game for Alabama. Um, kind of since then for the course of the season, I think you can make the case even in some quote-unquote shakier wins. I think you can make the case Washington. I mean – Look, Washington completed an undefeated season where they beat a top 10 team twice. Um, Alabama's one loss is to the number three team who's also in the playoff picture very early in the season. So I, it, it's pretty you know, fair and easy to say, like, those are the two best teams, right? That those teams are better than Michigan, um, despite how they were ranked or whatever. So I'm excited for those games. Um more so the Washington, Texas, like I said. I think that's just stylistically could be a better game. I will give you I, I tried to say how that game was gonna go. So I've been back and forth on it. High scoring. I don't know that either defense will be able to fully stop the other. I could see the over under, I think was like let me look again. I think it was fifty points or something like that. Forty, I'm sorry, forty four and a half. I could definitely see it going over that. I could see it both teams scoring 28 or more i could see it being a 30 30 something type of game um i just i don't know that either offense is quite good enough to hold the other one down all game it might be a turnover uh you know timely turnover type of game in terms of if you're talking about two back and forth offenses it might be which team's defense gets that pick or that forced fumble at the right time to kind of just give them that extra possession. So it might be more of a possession game there, but yeah, I'm excited for both of those men. Uh, that's yeah. Hopefully they are, they are deliver. Yeah. That's a big thing. And if they don't, and I will be the first and loudest one, if Michigan gets blown out and it is not a competitive game, if that Rose bowl is not competitive, I will be the first and loudest ones to say, this is why I don't want a committee trying to tell me what they think will be the best team and matchup for television experience and whatever, because that's why we were told Florida State wasn't going to get to play because you guys think you know who would present a better matchup or whatever. And let Michigan get blown out by Alabama, where I think I've been the only person that I've heard say, Michigan, not a good team. I put several one-loss teams ahead of them because they're just not that good. I will be so loud and obnoxious about just no this is this is why the committee shouldn't be allowed that power and the 12 team playoff you know they'll get to pick the 12 teams I guess but that's a lot less power. So don't let these games 
particularly Michigan game, be a blowout. Yeah, that's that's not my prediction, but I might be surprised at all if that happens. No, not right. in the slightest. Right. Don't let it happen because uh, I'll be loud and obnoxious. One thing I forgot to mention for the Michigan-Alabama uh, game, Nick Saban hired a former Michigan linebacker coach a couple of weeks ago who was going to immediately start working as an advisor for Alabama. So that's straight out of the Bill Belichick playbook of uh, sign or, you know, like when they would play uh, an in-division team or whatever, if there was somebody who had recently played on that team who had gotten waived, Bill Belichick would sign them to the practice squad, just have them, like, tell them all their plays and then wave them the next day. Cut them. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, this is the college version of that. Former, uh, and it's not Chris Parsons. It ain't the dude who Michigan fired for messing with the uh, NCAA's investigation. No, he would yeah. not in a million years help. Yeah, Nick it Saban. wasn't him. It was a different, through different through. former linebacker coach. I don't have the name in front of me, but Nick Saban brought him in. It will immediately start working. So not only is Alabama, I think, a better team, but they might have some inside information courtesy of a former Michigan alum or staff. And that is how you do it, Michigan. That's how it's done. You don't uh, dress up as another team's coach and go on their sideline or whatever. <laughs> just hire somebody that used to work there, and then it's all good. They can just tell you the stuff. It's not like you don't have to have no secret rendezvous. You can have a meeting. Things. You could just like openly be like, so tell me what they like to run. What do they do in these situations? And it's all above board. It's fine. So that's another reason why I definitely go um, Michigan there. We mentioned the Duke getting a Texas quarterback, Malik Murphy transferring to Texas. Remember, I said it first here, or not first, but just remember I said it here that Manny Diaz will have Duke, uh, you know, performing at a higher, more consistent level than Mario Cristobal will have Miami performing and will be paying paid a lot less to do so, um, Miami, just that the embarrassment that was that Rutgers game was hilarious. And I'll end on this positive note. Dickie V is cancer-free for, I believe, a third time. This man is incredible. Um, he yep. refuses to, like, he refuses to let cancer uh, remain. Like, he he refuses to Not in my body, he says. Cancer. Not happening. Not doing it. Uh, he's canceled again. Here. I think he will return the sideline soon if he if he hasn't already, but I'm sure he plans to. Um, so as college basketball starts to matter more, which is basically when the NFL ends after the Super Bowl, we will pay attention for like a couple of weeks of conference play, and then March Madness comes. But um, Dickie V's back, cancer free. Would love to love to see that. He is a icon in. All of college sports, not just basketball, football, but like he is a he's just a sports icon. I shouldn't even say college sports. The man is a is a icon and um he told cancer not today for the third time. So shout out to you, Dickie V. And we just want to end up with a little v. bit of a little bit of good news and on a bright spot. We will be back post New Year's six, talk some of those games. Uh, got plenty of big topic stuff. Like I said, NCAA is being sued. Washington State and Oregon State told the rest of the Pac-12, you ain't getting this money. You guys left. This is ours now. I love that. They kind of merged with the Pac, uh, with the Mountain West. So we got that. Um, we can talk more Florida State. 
Matt Rule. Everyone just pay attention to what Matt Rule is doing. All right. He's, he's, he, it's happening. The Matt Rule program building thing, it's happening. Um, he's flipping five star recruits, number one quarterbacks who moved specifically to the state of Georgia to go to the University of Georgia, only to then go back to Nebraska. Granted, I'm back home. home. Like, yeah, you know, granted, um, not to get too deep into it, but uh, Dylan Ray Liola has got family ties to can to, to Nebraska, but it is going to, there's more coming. And initially committed to Nebraska too, I think. At one point he did, and this was before Matt Rule, yeah. and then he flipped back and he had committed somewhere else before <clears throat> and then moved to Georgia. And then, but it's just keep an eye on Matt Rule. He was a program builder. It doesn't take long. He had one of the worst quarterback quarterback teams this year um and still went five and seven you give him a quarterback who's just remotely good he'll get you to seven wins you give him a year or two he'll have you a 10 win program whether you're temple baylor wherever like you're gonna do it so just keep an eye on that um but yeah i we, i should end it with the good news of dicky v cancer free that's what i want to end on we'll talk to y'all next week peace out all right, peace.